8 o'clock on a Tuesday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three. Yeah, three of the program is underway. It's brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Look, I learned how to do a chair dance. I can slide right into the camera. Who did that? Like Conan O'Brien? Kind of. Yeah. Who did that? Uh, we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, you can watch the show. Stream us live on the Sportsnet Now app. You can also listen to us in a variety of ways. And that's important because our next guest is appointment listening. Joining us now, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Morning, gentlemen. How have the last 24 to 48 to 72 hours been for you, Thomas? There's a lot that's gone on. I noticed you guys were jam-packed full of content at The Athletic. The club has provided you no shortage of things to talk about, but I almost don't want to go back to the Boudreaux stuff because I feel like we've done a decent enough job of that. This is about (laughs) now what happened at practice yesterday and what's going to happen tonight when the Canucks take on the Blackhawks at Rogers Arena and it's Rick Tockett's first uh, time as the head coach behind the bench of the Vancouver Canucks. Where I wanted to start with you was something that you pointed out in The Athletic yesterday. The sheer volume of coaches that were on the ice is maybe got up to double digits. There's a lot of them. I think it's a kind of a funny, amusing anecdote, but I think there's something there too when Tockett talks about how much that needs to be implemented how much the players need to learn. It may be one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's get more hands on deck so that we can do this learning quicker and get it up to speed, uh, chop, chop, that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's from from his own description, right, it sounds like they were mostly just focused on getting a sweat in, getting acclimatized to meeting everybody. Um, you know, the numbers will dwindle a bit because it doesn't sound like Sergei Gonchar is going to be around full time. Um, and there is such a thing, I'm pretty sure, especially in a free-flowing game like hockey, is overcoaching. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a level of detail, uh, control, that's impossible to exert over over the proceedings at the end of the day. And we all know that. I mean, we all watch games turn on a puck that deflects off a skate or uh, just like an incredible skill play by the best player on the ice that couldn't be replicated uh, or drawn up on a whiteboard anyway. Um, You know, here's my expectations overall. Like, I think talk is going to win a lot of games here. Okay. I think talk is going to win a lot of games here over the, over the balance of the season. What there's 36 games remaining. I'd be pretty surprised if the Canucks, don't reel off something like 40 points in those 36 games, just based on the quality of the competition, uh, based on, you know, the fact that they've hired a new coach outright, based on the fact that they can't possibly continue to play this poorly. (laughs) I think that you're not going to keep getting goaltending this bad. Um, You know, you're not going to keep getting guys like Connor Garland and JT Miller are struggling to the extent that they have this season, particularly because of the percentages at play there. Uh, even with Horvat moving on likely, right. Even with Luke Shen being subtracted, um, you know, this team's going to win more games than they have over the first half of the season over the balance. 
And, and I think the key thing to look for isn't like, what's the score of those games? Are they lower scoring games? Like, it's like the key here is to look a little bit past the results and see how differently can talk it, get them to control play in moments where teams aren't like taking their foot off the gas here, right? Like the, yeah. it's really hard down the stretch of a season to evaluate a team because what's going to happen here is Canucks are going to play 16 of the worst teams in the league over their last 36 games, six games. Like the bulk of their games are against the Chicago's, the Anaheim's, the Ottawa's, the St. Louis's of the league. Yeah. The, the games they play against good teams, they're going to play against teams that are playing at half speed and starting their backup goaltenders yeah. and looking past the Canucks outright, right? So you have to take all of that context and, and keep it in mind and really judge talk it on like those few games he plays where it matters to the other team. Can this Canucks team control play a little bit better? Like that, that's, that's going to be the only like sliver Right, like the like the light shining into like a cave of of actual meaningful hockey that this team's gonna play over the balance. So really I mean, you know, Talkett's sort of standard for his own improvement's gonna be or or at least as he elaborated and put it on Sunday was, you know, every player improves. But it's like every player better play better over the back half of this season, considering how lightly this team's gonna be taken and how bad the competition is. You know, you're playing Chicago tonight. Like, what's my expectation for tonight? If you don't beat this Chicago Blackhawks team, <laughs> like, that's embarrassing. Because, and, and not because this Canucks team is better than the Chicago Blackhawks. It's because the Chicago Blackhawks have done a better job of positioning themselves to lose this season. Right? Like, it's because it's the Blackhawks are better positioned. Not because the Canucks have more talent. But the Canucks are going to beat the Blackhawks tonight. And they should do really well over the balance. And it's not going to mean a ton. It's really not going to mean a ton. It's going to be a thing that we have to be very careful about evaluating and overreacting to. And yet, you know, you could see from the practice tweets, like yesterday, and I'm, I'm reading these because I wasn't at practice yesterday. I was, I was at the studio doing Connects Hour. And, you know, I can see all this, like, emphasis on, like, look at Gonchar working with Quinn Hughes and, like, this practice is much higher paced than what we've seen in the past. And, <laughs> and it's like, it, it looks exactly like what we did last year, where it was like, look at these smiling players. Everyone is so happy now that the evil Travis Green is gone. And I'm sure it's exactly what happened when Travis Green were replaced Willie Desjardins. And it was like, the coach isn't drooling on himself. Like, you know, like, come on. Come on. None of this matters. None of this matters. Like, we're really talking about practice and how structured this all looks and the impact of Gonchar and Quinn. Like, come on. Come on. See, that's interesting. I, just, I have no appetite for this. I have I, no appetite for this. I think there's real genuine potential for it to go the other way in terms of wins and losses under Talkit for a couple reasons. One, uh, you say they can't keep getting this bad at goaltending. <laughs> I beg to differ. If, if they keep rolling out the guys that they've got, it could very well go this way. The biggest difference from last year to this year is that Demko was on fire last year. This year he's been bad, and now he's hurt. Two, I do think it's interesting that a couple things that Talkett wanted to point out where he wants to play certain guys less, meaning his best players, maybe not lean on them as heavily, whereas Boudreaux was playing the wheels off these guys to get wins and get results. And I do think... 
that there's something baked into the approach here about, well, if there are losses, it's because we're trying to learn a whole bunch of new stuff and there's going to be growing pains along the way. What's hey, if it happens, good for him. Yeah, like if I, it happens, if it happens, I'll be praising him. <laughs> I, I think I think it's a fertile ground for losing. I really do. I mean, I I, I genuinely think when you replace a coach, you're going to get a bump, and this team isn't that bad, and their mindset is not going to be let's pack it in. Like I I, I honestly will be surprised if this continues to go off the rails. Like it's hard, it's hard to be bad. It's hard to have won two. Sorry, this team's won three times in regulation. Three times in regulation since November 27th. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as that requires an incredible level of incompetence on the ice, it also requires you to be really bad. Like, like it, it requires luck. It requires luck to be that bad. You, it, yeah. It's hard. It's hard <laughs> to lose like that in this league. Well, it's funny because it we, we, we just talked We just talked to Laz from The Athletic. And we were talking about how the Blackhawks have won six of eight. And he's like, yeah, they're screwing everything up. Like, they got to stop doing this. They, they, were, they were on the – at one point, they were eight, 25, and four. And that wasn't yeah, that long beautiful. ago. That was early January, like a, a, a terrible record. And now, they've, and now they've won a little bit to the point where it's, ah, they're not the worst team in the league anymore. There might be some other contenders. So I get what you're saying. Like, you do need a lot of things to go your way. <laughs> I feel like everything we asked Drance today is, you be like, I don't have time to talk about that, or I have no interest in talking about that. Because frankly, like, I, I, I get I get your, your, your view, Drance. Like, big picture, I get it. You're basically saying, like, until the team makes meaningful change, like, all this stuff is just distraction. Is that fair? Well, no, it's just the I mean, for fundamentally I don't think coaches make that big a difference, right? And and I'm probably a little bit higher on Rick Tockett as a coach than the market is. Just like, you know, I, I think I agree with fans that Bruce Boudreaux is good, just like I'm way higher than the market is on on what Travis Green is as a coach. Like all of these coaches know what they're doing. Any NHL coaches are impressive. Genuinely impressive. If you ever get a chance to watch hockey with an NHL coach, you will be blown away by all the details that they see. And yet, like, there's no coach that could have walked in, in my opinion, like, taken over this defense core, <laughs> taken over this team, and gotten a lot out of them. Like, gotten them to 98 points this season or 103 points this season. Like, no one, No one could do that. I, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe in the quality of this roster. And I don't believe that the pieces here, even the good ones, are skilled in a way that, that leads to winning as a collective group in the NHL, right? There's too much duplicate skill set. There's not yes. enough puck moving. There's yes. not enough two-way IQ. There's no and penalty so, killers. Like things yeah, like no, that. No yeah. penalty killers. Yeah, the roster is badly constructed in terms of filling out roles that every hockey team needs sounds like a group that can lose to me thomas well and i'm skeptical too (laughs) and i'm skeptical too i'm skeptical too about like the composition from a out compete your opponent in game 68 perspective right and for all of that for all of that i still think this team's massively underachieved like you know you say we say Oh, the goaltending's not necessarily going to get better if they keep trotting these guys out. It's like, you know, I think Spencer Martin's probably better than this, right? I think Spencer Martin's probably an NHL level goaltender. I think Colin Delia's a totally competent NHL level option. 
I think Demko's way better than he looked when he was before he got hurt early in the season. And if he comes back and gives you a month of 930 goaltending, guess what? You're going to win 60% of those games. That's how, that's how hockey works. That's baseline stuff. So, you know, I, I mean, I just sort of look at it as an exercise in futility. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I fear. Here's what I fear. I fear that there's going to be a narrative of false hope that gets bought into again, and I'm I'm just like bracing for it, and I'm bracing for it in a way where I'm really intent on pointing out how absolutely rudderless and meaningless it is in advance. So you're getting ready for because bubble 3.0. Bubble, bubble 3.0. one bubble 1.0 was the bubble. The bubble. Bubble 2.0. <laughs> bubble 2.0 was Bruce. There it is, and bubble 3.0 will be. What what would we call this? Like, oh, I think bubble not allowing five goals per game. Uh, yeah, I think bubble three. I think bubble three is perfect, right? Especially because you think about that Vegas series; like they got outshot by a hundred over a seven-game series. Like again, that's unbelievable, and still took the Vegas Golden Knights to what within seven minutes <laughs> of being a goal away from from advancing to the conference final. Yeah, like that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That's the you know. I get, I, I get the, the you're going with like the inherent predictability of it all, given what we've seen, again, 1.0 and 2.0. I do genuinely believe, I'm not just putting this on to play devil's advocate, I like genuinely believe that there is the framework here for them to be bad. Like, I, another thing we haven't talked about, the inevitability of trading Bo Horvat and removing his 30-plus goals from the team. Like That's not going to make them any better either. I, I just think that... No, it's not. There, there, yeah. are, there are a few things here that you could point to that will say... No, this isn't going to be always like it was because it's hilarious well, to say. Like, is it fair to say, Drance, and this is something we were, uh, I'm just going to uh, help you out here, Alfred. Like when Boudreaux took over, is it fair to say that there was an element that he just went out there and said, guys, I just want you guys to go and play and, and, and do your best. And I'm not going to overload you with too many details. Um, and that helped them out in the short term. Is is that an argument that is fair to say? Because I, I've I've seen when the Canucks have been tasked with learning new things, whether it's Travis Green's last season when he came into training camp and said we we got them things to worry about, and it was all complicated because there were contracts to be dealt with with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, and then right. this this year when Bruce Boudreau came in and he was tasked with a lot of homework for <laughs> the the off season, and they came in and maybe we're trying to learn some some new things, and we obviously know they got off to a bad start. Because sometimes when you're like loaded with a lot of things and you're not playing instinctual and you're th- you're kind of like okay wait a minute what am I supposed to do here? That's when you have a lot of trouble. Hopefully you get to the point where it does become extinct- instinctual, but it's a tough start. So I actually think it's simpler than that. When I when I worked for the Panthers, I was talking to a veteran player about a coaching change that happened to another team, and I was like, oh yeah, I like that coach. I think they'll do better. And he told me they won't. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to have a bounce because the players don't like the guy. And, uh, and from then on, every time there was a coaching change, I'd go and ask him, will they have a bounce? <laughs> and, and, and he'd call it solely based on, do the players like the guy? And he was almost always right. And it's, it's something that stuck with me. And I actually wrote it when the Canucks replaced Travis Green with Bruce Boudreau, which is, if you're going to get a bounce, Boudreaux's the right guy to bring in because everyone likes him. Like, at the end of the day, I think what gives you a midseason bounce is do you bring in a guy the players are like, okay, 
let's let's play for this guy. You know, I think that's that's what sort of determines it more than anything else. And that's sort of just uh, just um, like back in the napkin rule that I follow based on uh, on any veteran NHL players input when I worked with them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll see. Like we'll we'll see. I don't think Talk's known as a player's coach in the same way as Bruce Boudreau. Um, so I guess maybe that's an argument in your favor, but, but here, look, like this is what I'm basing my opinion on, right? Me and Dom LeCision right before the Boudreaux thing blew up. So Friday of last week, we modeled out what Vancouver would accomplish or like how much they could tank based off of a variety of scenarios. So like scenario one was the all out tank, like before the game tonight against the Colorado avalanche, cause this was on Friday. The Canucks trade Bo Horvat, Andre Kuzmenko, and Luke Shen, and they load manage Demko, and he plays only thirty three percent of their remaining games. Right, like, and they get nothing back. Sure, no NHL players back for any of those players. So like you plug that into the supercomputer. We plug that into the supercomputer, and for comparison's sake, right, we plug into the supercomputer. The Canucks only trade Bo Horvat. They keep Shen and, and Kuzmenko, and for Bo Horvat, they get an NHL player back. Then they trade for an additional NHL player in the like Ethan Bear, Jack Stadnika mold at the deadline. They hold Bo Horvat right until the deadline and they ride Demko over the balance. Like, what's the difference, right? Difference is four points 79 points versus 83 points, according to Dom's supercomputer. Like, at the end of the day, what happened was the schedule's so soft, so incredibly three ply soft here that it has more impact on how the Canucks will perform over the balance than the quality of their own roster. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking about Arizona three times, and Anaheim a bunch of times, and like truly we're talking about the third weakest schedule in the NHL. It's going to be incredibly hard for this team to play as poorly as they have against all these like great teams, especially over the last 12 over the balance of the season. And I just think that opens up a ton of different possibilities for this team to fool this market again. We'll see if the Canucks can fool the supercomputer and lose a hockey game tonight. It's the Canucks <laughs> and the Blackhawks. 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. Rick Tockett's first uh, his debut as the head coach, the new head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Drancer, thanks for doing this today, bud. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight, yeah. the rest of the week. Uh, have a good show today. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Oh, always happy to be a ray of sunshine for you gentlemen on a Tuesday morning. boy, Thanks, Drancer. That's Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, that hit really won over a lot of fans in the city, mm-hmm. judging by the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Look, um, I'll say with Drance, you know, uh, he is very steadfast and is very w- thorough and well-researched in his analysis. Right. Mm -hmm. I disagree premise wise with how the second half of the season is going to play out. I think that there is more than enough evidence that points to this team not having this dramatic bounce and not having this terrific bounce back that can be influenced by a variety of factors, including Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, who can systematically take uh, not a sledgehammer, but a pretty big hammer to the the roster if they so choose. Well, then. Horvat, there can be guys removed from this active roster to bolster draft picks, prospects, or 
of age NHL guys that they want to take a look at. Flawed prospects from elsewhere. I think let let's let's um I mean this never happens, but let's say you're wrong and Drance is right, and because of the ease of the schedule. And by the way, just to clarify, when I said that the schedule is harder than it looks, I mean to start. Like it definitely gets easy. Like I think their last two games, for example, of the regular season are Anaheim and Arizona. Right? There are some easy games down the stretch. I I, I just think it's going to be harder to start than maybe people are are saying. Like I realize they got Chicago tonight and Columbus on Friday, but they also got. Okay, hold on a sec. Yeah. Let's let's say you're wrong and the Canucks do get a bump and they play better and people are like, maybe they can turn it around. The challenge for management will be to be completely honest with themselves and go, okay, let's be honest here. How much of this was a result of the coaching change and the structure change or whatever? And that would make us look good, right? Like we've made this change and everyone's like, oh, maybe talk it is the answer for this group. And how much is it to do with the schedule or the you know the opponents or the natural bump that you're going to get? And that will be the challenge going into the offseason. It's going to be a lot easier, I think, if the Canucks do as you predict they do and they keep losing. Because then it's just obvious. Then you're just like, okay, they're a bad team. they got to make major changes, and there's going to be no risk in that, right? There's no risk in that, whatever. The problem with the Canucks is that there have been two occasions, as Drance pointed out, that they've been fooled. And they have invested in fool's gold. Number one would be the bubble. And number two would be Bruce, there it is. Now, I think Bruce, there it is, is worse than the bubble because the bubble thing got complicated because of departures that they had like Tanev and and Edler and Markstrom. And there was the pandemic that affected revenues and spending and all that sort of thing. And Rutherford never hired Boudreaux. It was the owner, all these things. But it's just a matter of not necessarily like grabbing onto this positive and going, all right, guys, we've got it. We've figured it out. Be very honest with your assessment and admit that there might be some things that actually just went, you maybe got a little bit a bit lucky. Like, I mean, in, like in the bubble, right? You got unbelievable goaltending. You also had the element of some of those veteran teams showed up and they're like, I have no interest in this. But Rutherford and Alvin had nothing to do with the bubble. They had nothing to do with the Bruce bump. They didn't even bring him in. I'll say this. If any of these, scenario, these scenarios happen, there's two things that you should hold this management group to account. One is that Jim Rutherford came out and said, this team needs major surgery, not minor surgery. And two, Patrick Alvin told the incoming head coach, that this is a big job ahead, that it's not going to be a quick fix. That's as cut and dry as you can make it. That's the president of Mike, hockey. He, Mike, he's also said that he wants to turn the team around in a year or two. Yeah. How, how, what That's is that? a quick fix to me. He laughed at Drance when he said That's three years. a quick years. fix to me. But it's about fixing it. It's not about saying, well, these guys really responded under talking. We should keep the group together. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the, nothing that happens in the second But there are is, degrees, right? Like the, there, if Let's say the Canucks keep losing. Then I think everyone's to the point where it was like, yeah, like blow this thing to kingdom come this offseason. But if they win, then you're going to be like, ah, you know what? Garland's looked pretty good. Maybe we go, maybe, maybe we keep him. And or then, maybe this guy, maybe like he's looked pretty good. Maybe we keep him. Maybe, maybe the talk at system doesn't, means we don't have to get 
as aggressive in changing the mix on defense. I mean, the mantra should be, where's the major surgery? Or don't be fooled is, by the winds. Yeah, don't when's, be fooled when's the by ma- the winds. When's the major surgery? When is it scheduled for? Or are you now deciding not to undergo surgery because you want to rehab the injury? That's, that should be the question. And then you got to bring the medical guys out there, and they're right. like, I, "I think you guys have mixed this up." And then you look at Josh Norris; he tried to rehab his shoulder. <laughs> oh, that's that's sad. By the way, that was his choice. Yeah, but just so we're clear on that, because someone upsetting, though. but someone texted in about not medical malpractice, but alluding to the situation that happened with Pearson and this. This is, I mean, look, there's very detailed reporting that Josh Norris spoke with five different doctors about the right path to take with his shoulder mm-hmm. and then he ultimately chose the yep. doctor and then doctor's decision to not undergo surgery and try and rehab it so that is talk you want to talk about giving the player the utmost control over their health and their future in terms of what procedure they want to take i mean ottawa did it it just didn't work out and that happens sometimes get your what we learns in right now text them into the dunbar lumber text line at 650 650 and he's going to be making the decision real quick on who wins the Canucks tickets for tonight's game against the Chicago Blackhawks. We will be giving those out to the best what we learn. So text in right now. Andy likes to have these things done by the end of the show so we can get out of here and, I don't know, go to bed or something mm. or eat cereal. By 6 and 1 a.m. ideally would be the best time to text <laughs> Yeah, him. Andy would like to make that decision yeah, at 6 1 as soon as he gets in. Yeah. He's like, congratulations, you've won the tickets. Yeah, I didn't even text about that. And <laughs> I'm done for the rest of the show. See you guys. Uh, you're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Now for my favorite part of the show. Well, that's it. Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 8.32 on a Tuesday. Hands down the best song to talk along with and try and provide some cadence for. Totally forgot about Big Band Tuesday. This is great. Halford Bruff, here it comes. Ready? Go. Sometimes I like to imagine that I'm hosting like a nighttime talk show in the 60s, 70s, Johnny Carson thing. This next guest brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. You could do that back in the day. The doctor's choice. I started rewatching Mad Men and it's it's alarming actually how much they smoke. Yeah. You don't really realize because it just becomes part of the like a prop, like a character. And it just you'd think that after a while <laughs> it would stop being so prominent. But like there's not a room that Don Draper walks into where the first thing he does anything other than light up a cigarette. Well newsrooms used to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Not, well, not anymore. Everyone used to be like that. Yeah. Do you remember how much advertising there used to be from cigarettes? Like cigarettes were like it's like the gambling ads now are basically like the yeah. cigarette ads <laughs> of old. Uh, do you remember watching like uh, indie car racing? Everything was cigarettes. It was like yeah. DeMaurier players. Yeah, Marlboro Lights right on the side of the car. <laughs> I went to a show one time. This was way back in my early 20s, right when like smoking indoors was kind of being phased out. And one of the shows was actually presented by a tobacco company, and they had servers walking around with a tray of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You could just pluck one from it. How many did you pluck? Uh, like thirty. I'm like, these are free. <laughs> I could just have this whole tray. I just I, I went outside and resold them to people. Like, Do you know suckers. I've never I've never smoked an entire cigarette in my life. Oh, you haven't gone all the way through Flavor Country then? No, it's a big country. I've never smoked a cigarette either. 
ever, I ever tried it. I mean, I've, I, like, I've had tobacco, I don't like this. I've had tobacco mixed yeah. in with other things without realizing it, which is uh, common with European right. folks who come yes. here. They like to do that. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I've never smoked a cigarette. I think I was scared so much by what my parents said. It's like, <laughs> you take one puff of that, kiss it goodbye. Put the fear of God into you. Yeah. Make yeah. you smoke the whole pack. No, uh, I think they would just. Hey, kid, you look pretty sophisticated with that cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to what we learned. Feel cooler is the thing. Okay, Uh, what are we doing here? We cut you. Bruff got cut from what we learned. I've had a good one for like a week, which I've been sitting on. It's not everyone's seen it, Andy. Everyone's not going to. Everyone has seen the guy who is is reacting to the new alcohol laws. Like everyone's (laughs) seen it. It's okay. It's so good. It's okay. It's fine. Everyone's Uh, seen it now. Hamilton in the news again. Uh, Alcohol laws. It's recommendation. It's guidelines. And that's what he doesn't get. It's just a guideline. He's like, why are they making us do this? No one's making you do that. It's just guidelines. I can have six beer. They're like, stay out of my life, government. Like, they're not making you do anything. I also like that you're trying to bring to light a video that went viral like a week ago. Like a week ago. That's the thing. It's too late, Laddie. Okay. I got what we learned about the Boom Goes the Dynamite guy. (laughs) Where is he now? I don't know. Okay, Laddie. My what we learned is a pretty pivotal one for the folks in Duncan. I know our signal goes to the island quite well, so if you're in Duncan, prepare to be outraged because a town in Illinois is set to build the world's largest hockey stick. What? It's going to beat the one at the Cowichan Community Center by 32 feet. It's going to be 250 feet long, and it's going to be in Illinois. So if you're from Duncan and your big claim to fame is that big hockey stick there— you're working on a new one that's about uh, 40 feet bigger. Cowichan's uh, big stick is iconic. Yeah. Well, it was at the Expo, apparently, and then mm-hmm. they moved it to Duncan after the Expo. So that's how that's the history the of it. The city of Lockport, Illinois. Yep. Those, this this reminds cactus. me of the uh, rivalry between Springfield and Shelbyville <laughs> when they built the elevator to nowhere. Duncan, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Duncan, you know the next step. You have to go tank or go get into Lockport's water supply. Yeah. What, did, what was War of 1812? We went down there and did It would be funny the if White they House, just keep right? outbuilding the, the, the stick. That's it. Keep, keep yeah. going bigger and bigger. You know how, yeah. You know how you get the world's biggest <laughs> hockey stick is build the world's biggest <laughs> hockey stick. How can the ball. United States have the world's biggest hockey stick? I can't stand for that. Someone <laughs> in Canada has to make a bigger hockey stick. God bless the reporting here. And I quote, the massive hockey stick at the Cowichan Community Center could be stripped of its title. I don't <laughs> think that's how it works. <laughs> They have to take down the statue? <laughs> All these people arrive from Guinness, and they're like, it's a sad day for everyone. <laughs> Please remove your banner. They got to get rid of the, the Lake Cowichan welcome to sign because it's got the whole hot All right. stick thing on Rally, it. All right, rally, Cowichan, Duncan. You guys can do it. Build a bigger stick. Uh, Jay from Delta, what we learned as we print out the submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line, I crashed my forklift into a stack of empty pallets because of how mad Drance got me. And I was rushing to get out my phone to text you guys, so please give me the tickets because I got to clean this mess. That's the closest Drance ever uh, been to a forklift. D- yeah, you didn't. Uh, you didn't. Well, Drance wasn't on the forklift. I Jay know, from was, Delta that was. That was the joke. You didn't include the ticket emoji. We just got a text about the, the big hockey stick. You know those plugs you can put in the end of your stick? Can they just add one of those into the one? Yeah, that's actually <laughs> not a bad a idea. The, <laughs> just tape the knob like out. Oh, look, 260 yeah. feet. We yeah. got it. Yeah. It's like when the kid grows. Yeah, or Chara's stick. Yeah. So you're saying Jay just got declined from the tickets because he didn't follow the rules and had a ticket emoji? No, no, not really. Not really. Become- but we already actually picked the winner, and it was Fawns in Vancouver, and this one made me laugh. What we learned, watching tonight's game is going to be two teams at their lowest points since their glory days against each other in the same rink. 
which is similar to me chasing my glory days. So it'd be nice if I could be there to share that moment. All right, Fonz, you're going. You used to be something. Now you're not. Now you're going to go watch a couple teams that used to be something, and now they're not. Maybe Fonz can get the new coach bump. Yeah, you got to jump back. You got the way back machine. So 11 years, I guess I was in a better spot. <laughs> I was younger. Yeah, you were younger. Just, <laughs> yeah. period. just, yeah, period. just say that. Period. Yeah, yeah, I was younger. I guess you're, yeah. you're in a better spot. Yeah. yeah. Less back pain. Yeah. yeah, I didn't do commercials about orthotics and how I wear them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although I don't wear the orthotics yet, I'm getting there. Well, you're just I'm losing out there. on your orthotics money. I right? know. And orthotics, Chris from Nanaimo. What I learned is I'm so much so uh, so much more excited we might see Pod Colson, Hoaglander, and Rathbone again than I am about where we finish. Hopefully, some guys get a chance that didn't before. You want to well, be pod- the one to disappoint Chris? I don't. I don't think we're going to see any of them, are we? It seems yeah, like everyone's absolutely, pretty happy. Absolutely. We're going to see Paul Colson and Hoagland. This year? Yes. You have not been paying attention. Oh, You sorry. have not been paying attention. Uh, Rutherford and Alvin uh, actually said, yeah, there's probably they're probably going to get called up. That was the part of the press conference where Rutherford was like, oh, right, I'm supposed to zip it. So I'm going to actually uh, let Patrick Alvin okay. talk about it. And Patrick Alvin said that <laughs> those, are, those guys have taken major strides or major steps under Colleton and Abbotsford, they're going to give those guys a chance. They might need bodies, you know, in the lineup Fair. if they trade away a bunch of guys um, at the deadline. Like, I know we're all mostly expecting Horvat to be traded, but I suppose it's possible that Kuzmenko is traded. It's possible they find a taker in some fashion for Besser or Garland, although I think those are more likely to be off-season trades. We, look, at, look at the bottom six. Not the lines that uh, that Tockett had because he actually has Pedersen as his third line guy with Kuzmenko and Mikheyev, but like the bottom sixes under Bruce Boudreaux, as Bruce Boudreaux started really playing the top six, yeah, and he yeah, put yeah. Miller back on the wing and he said, "We don't have three lines, so we're going to go with two. It, it was not impressive at all, and they were not producing at all. No. There is an opportunity for Pod Colson and Hoaglander to come into this lineup and get a good opportunity under Rick Tockett, and I'm sure Rutherford and Alvin want to look at these guys because I think Pod Colson is a the guy they're going to keep, and they're going to be like, okay, this is this is the guy that we can we can he's going to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. I think they're less certain about Hoaglander, and I think Hoaglander sure. might still have some. Well, I think he would still have some trade value. I bet there are teams out there that'll be like, the Canucks have been a mess. Hoaglander showed well at times in with with the Vancouver Canucks, and I bet there's something there. Uh, we got one here from Yash hashtag WWO. What we learned? I learned that JT Miller has averaged 20 minutes and 44 seconds of ice time this season, while he averaged more last year at 21:05 with his career high year. When Tockett says he's not back-checking because he's gassed from playing too much, throwing out 24, 25 minutes too much is a convenient excuse for his play or just inept analysis. Don't get too caught up in the semantics of, like, the exact numbers. I think the larger scale point that Tockett was trying to make is, and you just said it, under Boudreaux, it's not just JT Miller. There were a lot of top guys playing more than he wanted them to. And part of what he's going to do and what he's going to implement is – Make that less of a, not burden, but you're going to shoulder less, right? Like, I would not be surprised if none of these guys feature on the penalty kill. Like, you've got carte blanche with the penalty kill, I would imagine, if you're Rick Tockett. Mm -hmm. The whole thing stunk. (laughs) You were bad. 
The guys that were playing it weren't doing a good job, so there's no reason to keep them out there. And if it is trying to cut some ice times from guys that you want to cut, that's a perfect way to go do it. Anyone could apply for that job right now, I would say, on the Canucks. Right? Like, if you've got skates and a stick and you're willing to go out and try and do it, you've got an opportunity to show that that could be a role of yours. Right? You can, the unit can't get any worse than it is, I don't think. Uh, Ian in Coquitlam texts in with a what we learned. What we learned, I'm curious to see how Horvat is used under Tockett. Will he get as much offensive opportunity and ice time under him? We have already seen a fourth-line player added to his wing. Yes, that would be Jack Studnika. Maybe it's just the conspiracy theory, but will the Canucks be using less and giving him less to work with, a.k.a. Studnika, in an effort to hold him down the rest of the year in an effort to lower his number on his next deal? Uh, I love the conspiracy theory. I don't yeah. think it makes sense because I think it's too late. <laughs> it's like, flawed. The Canucks can't wait until the end of the season to deal with the Horvat situation. They're going to either re-sign him before the trade deadline on March 3rd, or they're going to trade him. What I'm wondering is if they're going to make one last push to try and sign him. Yeah, I do wonder it. I think the likelihood is small, but I do wonder. Yeah. It just feels like now is the time to move forward. If you're going to try and reinvigorate and reshape and reestablish and that maybe starts with Tockett, then mm-hmm. I think it ma- I think it makes his job easier. I know this might sound strange to say, but I think it makes his job easier not to inherit a captain. I think I think there's parts of it where maybe it allows him to do certain things with the group, mm-hmm. i.e. identify a new leadership group, or maybe just let the whole thing simmer and not put anyone with the letters on their jerseys, at least permanently, for the time being. Unsigned what we learned, although Bruce Boudreaux was a great human being, it's clear the Canucks won't have a quote-unquote country club mentality around Rogers Arena under Rick Tockett. Yeah, Rick Tockett, it's, it's interesting because you hear him called a player's coach a lot, and I think that's because of, well, I think it probably started, his reputation started with his relationship with Phil Kessel. Right. Like I'm sure there are coaches in the past that have been like, I'm going to yell at Phil Kessel and he'll do the things that I want. And then Phil Kessel was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Right. So I think Rick Tocca probably learned or maybe he learned beforehand and then it succeeded with Phil Kessel. So he's talked a lot about relationships and all coaches talk about relationships. Now there are very few coaches that are still out there that are like, it's my way or the highway. Like I probably Torts is one of them. Like Torts is, yeah. is still a guy like he's got his way and you know, yes, he develops relationships with players, but I think it's just done in a little bit of a different manner. Like I don't think Torts is sitting there like, I'd like to schedule 20 minutes with you so we can just like, how is the family? How is everything going? And then at the end of the conversation, you're like, you know what? We didn't even talk about hockey but I feel like I've learned something, right? Like, Torrance Torrance isn't like that, right? He has one of those tiny Nespresso machines. He's like, imagine you you care for a latte. Okay, let's not get distracted. So, uh, Tockett is a player's coach in that way, but I also think he's going to be a taskmaster. I think one of the things that's been interesting to hear, and he said it in a number of different ways, and the players have also said it, is like, there are going to be rules with Tockett. Like, there are just going to be hard and fast rules And if we were to have Tockett on our show, if, or we were to go, like go to a press conference or something, which probably isn't going to happen because we're pretty lazy. I don't see But like the question happening. that I would have is like, hey, what are some of those hard and fast rules? 
Like, what do you have? Like, are they rules that are like, when we're leading, we get the puck in deep or something like that? Or are they more like um, mindset rules, which is another favorite torts word. But I've heard Rick Tockett use it, right? Like, there there are just things like we back check every time. And, like, that's a hard and fast rule. Or if we have an opportunity to block a shot – it gets blocked, yeah. and that's a hard and fast rule. So if I see you not back checking, there's going to be a there's going to be uh, consequences. If I see you not blocking a shot, there's going to be consequences. I wonder if it'll extend to everything. Uh, practice habits, um, like remember Tom Coughlin, famously mm-hmm. as head coach of the New York Giants. If you weren't five minutes early for a meeting, you were late. Right, right. Like it sounds stupid, <laughs> and it is, but. It's one of those things that coaches do because it's one of the things that coaches can control. Yeah. I've had it up to here with you, rules. So my heart that was JT fa- Miller. <laughs> my my hard and fast rules at home with the with, with the kids are like when we come home we don't just take off our jackets and fling them on the floor. How's that going for you? Uh, it's not going well. Mm. <laughs> they come through the door and like not to rant here. I know we're talking about hockey. They come through the door and like they actively throw their shoes it's called the yard sale like it's a yard sale like what's going on there like we got we got hooks here now i just spent the whole day vacuuming and you just come in and just comes to the door after them does the same thing totally yeah Yeah, just take off everything (laughs) there's a place for everything there's a place for muddy boots there's a place for shoes that place is called the floor can you guys tell that i like lived by myself for like 25 years and now that i have to live with others it's like Sometimes challenging. We had rules back then. By we, I mean me. <laughs> I mean me. Yeah. Uh, it was a singular entity, but <laughs> the royal we. Oh, I, I, I'd be very curious. to like Again, all these things, are, we're really getting into the minutia, the nitty-gritty and everything. But given back in the days of candid Jim Rutherford, remember those? Those halcyon days where he was too honest and too real. Uh, he talked about all that kind of stuff. Bad training camp. Bad energy at training camp. Didn't look like they were doing the drills properly. All these things. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the things that you, you assume are going to have to change. And that's where the taskmaster part of talking comes in. But I think you bring up a good point. Any modern coach outside yeah. of maybe torts is going to be like, I need to build relationships individually with these guys. Table saw, James, what we learned. Bruff's idea of whole day vacuuming means he turned on the Roomba. No. I got this great shark vacuum at Shark's Costco. A good vacuum. And they're specifically for pets, so we have two mm. cats, and they shed a lot. I, and it's I terrific. Have, I actually enjoy vacuuming. I enjoy the feeling of like, you got a Roomba? I just got I one. Have, oh, I did have you get a, a raise? No, it was gifted to me, <laughs> which is how I get any of my good uh, items at my house. I have one. You have a Roomba? Yeah. It looks pretty cool. It, it seems to do it, a good it, job. The, it, it takes like four hours to... <laughs> How big it, is your house? It, a job you can do you in 20 live? seconds. Yeah, it, 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 it's no, no, like no. the Roomba's in the West Wing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Roomba, it's please trying. come it's back best. to the foyer. No, I don't. <laughs> it's, I had it on my bottom floor. It took like 20 minutes. How big is your house? You should, no, it's not the, the <laughs> It's not the amount of room that it has to cover that has, has no it has no suction. Well, get a new Roomba. It's no, trust me. You'll Alfred's see. Roomba is like the first Roomba ever made. After <laughs> I go around. You're 20 years old. It's like his laptop. Gen 1. So what I do is. got it with the laptop. I get my butler to follow around the Roomba and, with a, and then do the white glove thing afterwards and he says it's not up to snuff so you can bring it up with my butt I will time for will. a new Roomba bud no I like my old Roomba his name, uh, is, his name is Jeff runs on dial up somehow he smokes it runs on, <laughs> on dial up <laughs> Craig and Campbell River what we will learn it won't take a bump 
a coaching bump, <laughs> we should say, for the Canucks to win more games down the stretch. The teams they play are bad enough that if the Canucks just keep playing the way they are, they'll probably win a bunch. That's the argument that Drantz made. And when you look at teams like Chicago and at times Arizona, I know not recently, but like even awful teams, you look at their roster and you're like, how are you going to win one game? They somehow get on this streak where like Chicago is coming into this, this game against the Canucks tonight. They won six of eight, mm-hmm. like not all of them in regulation, but there was a time. Remember guys, there was a time this season where the Canucks were one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Yeah. Now, a lot of their wins were, you know, it was beating Arizona in overtime or coming back from Montreal and winning that game in overtime. But there was a time when they had a 10-game stretch where I can't exactly remember what their record in the past 10, but it was like 7-1-2 and two or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Yep. The schedule for the Canucks, the first – the first game is an easy one against Chicago, and I know they got Columbus on Friday. Then it gets a little tougher, but the actual finish to it is quite soft. And Drance makes another good point, and I think this is what happened last year. You're going to come across good teams, like even the good teams. First of all, they won't be up for the games. Yeah. They're not going to be like, well, they got the Canucks, right? Like, this is going to be great. We might see a lot of backup goalies. So this is where it gets back to, yes, you want to have um, – you want to do your analysis under uh, Rick Tockett, and they'll come together and be like, okay, well, who's worth keeping and who's worth not? But you have to answer, you have to ask the question like, how much of that is a mirage um, that was brought about by an easy schedule? Mm-hmm. Part of which we saw last year doing the Bruce, there it is, bump. The Canucks which got. we all thought the management recognized. Like they were, they were the ones pointing it out. Like, they were the ones saying, like, I think we got, like, crazy goaltending. Mm-hmm. But and, – and the message seemed to be, like, listen, we still don't think we're a very good team here. And yet they went into the offseason and re-signed JT Miller to a big contract and brought in Mikheyev and mm-hmm. kept the coach. Uh, Evan from New West, hashtag WWL, what we learned. Sergey Gonchar looked good in a Canucks jacket yesterday. Can he play on the blue line tonight? Yeah, no, one. Two – um, I'm going to be interested to see how that dynamic plays out, him and Foot. I know Foot had a stint as the head coach of the WHL Kelowna, right? That's correct? Did I have that right? It was Kelowna, right? It did not go well. It didn't go well. Yeah. But that's a head coaching gig as opposed to something where it seems like he's going to be hyper-focused on the blue line. Gonchar, I mean, I, I, quite frankly, I just I hope he's here a bunch to be able to work these guys through everything because mm-hmm. he's got a pretty good rep- reputation as a defensive coach dating back to his time in Pittsburgh. Shockingly, another guy from the Pittsburgh organization, right? But I think there's something I think there's something there where if you can if you can enact the changes you want to enact with the guys that still have room to grow, then there are some of them. Um, you're going to do something to this defense which badly needs to happen in light of the cap constraints and where they're currently at, is there needs to be some internal improvement. There does. And I don't know how much room for growth there is. I think certain guys are what they are as players, and that's going to be it. But you've always got to be striving to be better and improving your own games. I'll be very curious to see um, the relationship that like Hughes and Gonchar have. So lots of things to keep an eye out tonight, even though Drance thinks it's an exercise in futility. I'll be watching things like ice times. How much is JT Miller going to play? 
Um, our other guy's going to get more ice time. Is Jack Stanika going to take advantage of the opportunity has been given um, the crowd reaction for obvious reasons? Right. What will the crowd reaction be like to this new head coach in the wake of Bruce Boudreaux's dismissal? Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about it. But for now, we got to go. It's been a fun day. Thank you all for listening. As Chip Ruff said, we'll be back tomorrow with another Halford and Bruff show. But for now, signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.